Hey y'all, you're listening to the Faith Church Sermon Podcast. We are so excited that you're connecting with us today. It is our desire for you to grow as a result of the resources we provide here. We pray that this blesses you today as you seek to know Him more. You ever been homesick? Maybe as a kid, you stayed the night at a friend's house or you went to summer camp and it was loads of fun, but you lay in bed at night and you just think, I want to go home. Maybe it was when you moved out of your parents' house, you went away to college. Maybe you travel a lot for work and so you get homesick. Maybe life has you in this season, in this place that you're far away from the place that you call home and you just really want to go back. There's something great about home. And some of you, I hear you, you go, no, 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 my home experience is not good. I I get that. But for all of us, we have a thought, we have a picture in our mind of what we want home to be, of this place that we long for. It's a place of rest. It's a place of safety and security. We want to be home. The story that we're going to look at today is about this guy named Jacob, and he's really homesick. His story is found in Genesis 35. If you have a Bible with you, you can go there. Genesis chapter 35. And it's the kind of story, you'll see, it's the kind of story that if you're reading your Bible, you'd probably forget you even read this thing. You might just skip over it. It's wedged between two really important stories, one about a guy named Abraham. We saw him last week. He's sort of the hero of those first pages of the Bible. And another guy named Joseph, we'll get to him soon, he saves an entire nation. The tendency is to skip over a story like this, to just blow past it. But I think it's really good. The story goes that Jacob is homesick. He's been on the run most of his life. He's spent years fleeing. And God offers him an invitation. Jacob, you're homesick. Come home come back home. And what I want to show you today, what I hope to show you is that the same invitation that Jacob received, God offers the same invitation to you and to me. Come home. Come back into a right relationship with God. See, we all get lost in life. We all wander away from God. We all go, no, God, I've got this. I'm going to sort of chart out my own path. And God, in his graciousness, goes, when you're ready, Come home. Come back to me and experience all the things that home is supposed to be. Peace and rest and safety and security. God goes, if you need rest, if you're tired, if you're lost, if you've wandered away from me, it's time. Come home. We'll talk about that. Let's Talk about Jacob first. The the New Testament describes Jacob, compares Jacob to Christ. I could spend an hour up here giving you all the foreshadowing ways of how Jacob points to Jesus. The author of Hebrews says that Jacob is this man of great faith. And yet when you look at his life, it's really confusing. You go, wait just a minute. This guy's a mess. He stole from his father. He betrayed his brother. His very name, Jacob, means liar. You look at this guy, and most of his life he's been on the run. He's been fleeing people that he's wronged and running away from things that he's done. And yet God is so good. Somehow he he shows up to Jacob and he says, listen, 
I made a bunch of promises to your grandpa, this guy named Abraham. I promised him that I would bless your family, that your name would be great, that your descendants would be many, and I'm gonna keep that promise. In fact, Jacob, I'm going to keep that promise through you. So Jacob becomes really wealthy. Jacob's got this great family. He actually does a lot of great things in his life. He reconciles this broken relationship with his brother. He asks for his forgiveness and they're reunited. And yet the narrative of his life, the pattern of his story, if you track him through the Bible, is he's got some good days and he's got some bad. And it seems like every time he gets a little bit ahead, every time Jacob starts to do the right thing and he starts to put the pieces of his life together, something bad happens. It could be his own doing. It could be something that's done to him. He wants to build a family and his wife gets taken away from him. He wants to live at peace with his neighbors and his sons go on a killing spree. And yet God is faithful in his promise. And, and he says, Jacob, despite everything that you've done, I am going to make good on the promise that I made to your grandfather. And I'm going to make good on that promise through you. And that's sort of the, sort of the story of his life. A couple steps forward, a couple steps back. He does some good things. You look at it and you go, oh, he's making progress. And then he falls into some deep sin. And we get to chapter 35. And I told you, it's not a significant story. It's the kind that you'd skip over. You've been warned. It's not that exciting, but I think it's really good because we see God's heart with this guy, Jacob, who is a total failure. God offers him this incredible invitation. Let me show you. Genesis 35, starting in verse 1, it says this. God said to Jacob, go up to Bethel and settle there. And build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So a little bit of history here. This Bethel place, this is an important place. Bethel in Hebrew, it's Beth-El because it's Beth is house and El is God. Beth-El, Bethel is the house of God. This is the place where Jacob and God first interact. You can read about the story yourself. It's in chapter 28, but Jacob has this dream. And in this dream, God reveals himself to Jacob. He goes, look, here I am. I am God almighty. And he tells him, I'm the God of your father, your father, or your grandfather, Abraham. And he also tells him something else. He says, Jacob, you know, all that crazy stuff grandpa's been talking about how our our descendants are going to be many, and our land is going to be massive, and God's going to bless us, and he's going to bless the world. Guess what, Jacob? I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do it through you. And he tells Jacob, I'll, I'll never leave you. I promise I'll always be with you. And this all happens at this place, Bethel. And so Jacob calls this place, he names this place the house of God. Listen to it again. God said to Jacob, go up to Bethel and settle there. And build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. Do you see what's happening here? God is inviting Jacob. He's inviting Jacob to come home. Jacob, come back home. It's not home in a, in a physical sense. It's home in the sense of this is where you met God. Come back to the place where you first met God, where you are completely whole as a person because you're connected to him. Jacob, come back. You've been running, but come back to this place. Come back to Bethel. It's home. Come back home, Jacob. 
Here's what happens, verse two. So Jacob says to his household and all who are with him, get rid of the foreign gods that you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. We're not 100% sure what's going on here other than to say the family is obviously worshiping lots of gods at the time. So they have statues and they have idols and they have these figurines so that they can worship all these other gods. In fact, the story goes that his wife, Rachel, actually stole a bunch of idols from her father so that she could worship these pagan gods. They have all this jewelry that they wear to emulate these gods. And Jacob gathers up the family. He goes, everybody, come here. We got to talk. Get rid of that junk. We're getting rid of all of those gods. That stuff has crept into our life. It's crept into our family. It's a distraction. Get rid of it because we're going to Bethel and we're going to worship the true God. Verse three, Jacob says, and then come, let us go up to Bethel where I will build an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had and the rings in their ears, and Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem. And then they all set out, and the terror of God fell on the towns all around them so that no one pursued them. So here's Jacob. He's living his life. He's done his best to patch things up with his brother. He had messed his whole family up by betraying his father and his brother, but he's doing his best. He's trying to walk with the Lord, and he keeps falling into these messes. His, his life is it's a mess, and much of it is his own doing. Go back a chapter, you go back to chapter 34. Jacob has a daughter and she gets raped. And Jacob does nothing about it. He's such a coward. He just goes, ah, I don't really know what to do about this. I don't want to make anybody upset. I don't want to start a war. So he does nothing about it. His sons find out and they go and they slaughter a whole people group. It's a mess. This family is messed up. They're worshiping all kinds of gods. And the real God shows up to him and he goes, Jacob, listen to me. Come home. Come back to the place that we first connected. It's this invitation. Jacob, you've been on the run. I, I see your heart. Yes, your life is a mess, but I see that there's, there's you want to do good. There's light in your heart. Jacob, come home, come back to Bethel. It's the place where we first interacted. And it's not to say that God is only in Bethel. He's not localized to this place. God is everywhere, but he's trying to speak in human terms. He's trying to connect with Jacob in a way that Jacob will understand. Jacob, you remember that place called Bethel where we first connected? You had that dream. We walked together. We talked together. It's home. Jacob, come home. Come back to that place. I want to go back to verse one for a minute because I want you to see, I want you to see God describes sort of what it means to Jacob. What, this is what it means, Jacob, to come home. Here's what I'm talking about. Let me walk through this for a second. Listen to this. There's a few different parts in here that are really important. God says to Jacob, remember, God says to Jacob, go to Bethel. So come to the house of God, he says. This, this place, this house of God it belongs to the Lord, this place. The house of God is a phrase that will show up throughout the Bible, throughout a number of historical periods in the Bible, as this place where God meets his people, right? So the tabernacle first is this place. It's the house of God. It's where God 
meets his people. And then the temple is the place where God meets his people. The church is called the house of God, the place where God meets his people. You and I as followers of Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. We are the house of God where God meets his people. And so this place that he's inviting Jacob to is this place where he will meet with him. God's saying, come and let's be together. Let's be in one another's presence. Let's enjoy each other's company. Come up to Bethel. And then he says this, he says, come up to Bethel and settle there. So you think about in the Bible, you think about some of these early Old Testament characters and the life that they lead. They lead a life of um, they're desert nomads, right? It's really hard, the life that they lead. They don't even have the basics of life easily available, food and water. I mean, they, they don't have access to that stuff, so they have to store it up and they have to carry it with them everywhere they go. And they live in tents, which means every time that they move, well, it's like moving. Do you like moving? No, it's, it's terrible, right? Every time they want to move, they got to take down their tents. They got to pack them all up. They got to go set them up in a new place again, right? That's their life. You don't, if your tent gets a hole in it, you don't stop by Cabela's and get a new one. You got to fix it so you can set it back up again. And they're always on the move. And so when God invites Jacob to come home, he says, come and settle, bring your family, bring your servants, bring your animals, all that you're responsible for, come and settle in Bethel. And you should read the word settle as the word rest or be still. Jacob, come to Bethel and rest. Come to Bethel and be still. You don't have to run anymore. You don't always have to be on the move anymore. Set up your tent, stay in one place. Come out in the evening and look out over your land. Have a cold drink and sit in your rocking chair and watch the kids play in the yard. Just rest. You don't have to run anymore. You don't have to be afraid of someone coming and attacking you anymore. Come to this place with me in Bethel. It's safe. You can rest. You can be still. Come home, Jacob. And then the third thing he says, it's an invitation to worship. He says, come and build an altar. And this is not making a demand. This is not saying God saying, Jacob, come to Bethel and you will bow down before me. Not at all. Jacob, come to Bethel and sit in my presence. Come and experience everything that that means. Peace, rest, joy. Come and just sit in my gentleness and my love. Come and worship me. Experience all that I have for you. Despite all that Jacob has done and the crazy amount of sin in his life, and you can read it for yourself. You go back, start at chapter 25, and you can read Jacob's life. This guy is a mess. This guy is a problem from the moment he's born. And despite that sin, despite the messiness, he goes, come on, come home. Come back to the place that we first connected and rest and worship. Verse 6, Jacob and all the people with him came to Bethel in the land of Canaan. There he built an altar, and he called the place El Bethel, God of the house of God. 
because it was there that God had revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. Verse 10, God said to him, your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. God had already changed his name. That had already happened. This is a reminder. God is sort of renewing his commitment to Jacob. Verse 11, God said to him, I am God Almighty. Jacob, be fruitful and increase in number. Oh, check that out. Have you seen that before? That's, that's Genesis 1. That's creation language. God is renewing every command and promise that he's ever made to Adam and Eve, to Noah, to Abraham. He's renewing it again through Jacob. I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you, and kings will be among your descendants. And the land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I also give to you, Jacob, and I will give this land to your descendants after you. Despite everything you've done, Despite your sin, despite your disobedience, Jacob, despite the fact that even now your house is filled with idols and statues and figurines, I will keep my word. I renew my commitment, Jacob. I renew the covenant that I made with your grandpa. I will make your people great, and I will bless the world because of you. Jacob, come home. And what you find out is that when you come home, when you come back to God, you don't come back and get shamed. Jacob, when you come home to God, there's not shame waiting for you. There's rest. There's love. There's experiencing God's presence. Come home. Go with me a little bit further. Track with me for a second. See if we can make this connection. As I was reading and studying this story, Thinking about Jacob's story, it reminded me of another story. Have you heard the one Jesus tells about the prodigal son? Right? Jesus tells this story in Luke. He tells a story about a young man. He's a younger brother he, who comes to his dad and he says, Dad, I want my inheritance. Give me my money. And the dad goes, oh, okay. And he gives the son his inheritance. And little brother splits town and he goes far away from home and he spends his money on all kinds of things we probably shouldn't mention. And he just wrecks his life. And he's far away from home, and he makes a decision, I'm going to go home. And so the way Jesus tells the story, the, the younger brother starts making his way home. And as he sort of gets close to home, dad hears that he's coming. And so dad runs out to meet him, and dad throws a robe over his shoulders, and dad's hugging on him and kissing on him. And dad brings him into the house and throws this giant party for him, and little brother is restored. Do you see the similarities? It's the same story as Jacob's story, and it's the same invitation. Come home, rest, experience the Father's presence, the Father's goodness. Everything that you did away from home, it doesn't matter. It doesn't change how the Father loves you. Just come home. There's this place where God and Jacob were connected. There's this place for father and prodigal son to connect, to be together in each other's presence. God's invitation, come home. Let's put the pieces of your life together. We'll, we'll, we'll do it in partnership. We'll do it together. Come home. Rest. Can you get your mind around this? That the same invitation that God extends to Jacob, the same invitation that Jesus talks about, the father giving to the prodigal son. Can you hear this? The same invitation is available to you and to me. 
right? This is God's invitation to us. Come home. Rest. Come back into a relationship with God. God says, come and be in my presence. Not so that I can shame you. Not so I can embarrass you. Not so that I can beat you up over the things that you've done. Just so I can love on you. Like a dad whose child comes home. So I can put my arms around you. Come home. And I think if you've been around church for a while, we take stories like the prodigal son, and we go, oh, yeah, 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 I've heard this story. This is a story about salvation. This is a story about somebody who sort of ruins their life, and no matter how bad it gets, they haven't sinned too much for Jesus. Okay, that's fine. But isn't it also a story of any child coming back to dad, any child returning to their father? Isn't it a story and an invitation for us? Jacob had a relationship with God already, like so many of us do. It's this invitation for us. You've been on the run, prodigal daughter, prodigal son. You've done some things, but the invitation is come back. You've wandered away. You've mapped out your own course. Okay. Here's God. Here's Father. Arms open wide. Come on. Come back. Let's renew this relationship. He says to Jacob, come home. I wonder if he's ever said the same thing to you. Listen, you're far away from me. You've wandered off. You're lost. Come home. You're tired. You need rest. Come home. You're anxious. You're burdened. You need to be recharged. Come home. Come into my presence and be renewed and be restored. Like that's that's the invitation. And we could have skipped over this story. Honestly, it's not that exciting. We're preaching through the Bible. There are a lot of important stories. There are probably a lot of stories that you would say are more important than this story. But do you see how big God's heart is? A child comes knocking on the door. A child who's been away for too long comes knocking on the door and and says, Dad, can I come in? Dad, can I come home? Yes, of course. And Dad throws his arms around that child. Dad can't stop touching that child. Yes, you're welcome here. Come home. Rest. That's the invitation for Jacob, for a prodigal son or daughter, and for you and me. Come home home, come back into a relationship with God. You've been away too long. Let's process just for a minute. Let's process what this means for us. See, in our own journey, we wander away from God, right? You've had times where you felt really close to God and you've had times where you've wandered away. How do we get back? What does it mean to, what does it look like to come home? And I wanted to show you one thing right from the text, right from this story that jumped out to me. And I'll just show you one thing. And I trust that God will uniquely speak to you through this passage. And whatever it is you need to hear in this, God will show it to you. But let me show you just one thing that I see about coming home. It's this. Something about coming home. I want to come home, God. I've wandered from you. I'm lost. I want to come home. There's something about this. Coming home means... I have to fully surrender. Here's what I mean. You can't come home and then be sneaking back out at night, right? And you can't come home, I guess, and just do whatever you want to do. Jacob can't 
come home. God invites him, come home, Jacob, come to Bethel. But Jacob can't just come back to Bethel and bring his foreign gods. Cool, we're gonna come back to Bethel, God. I love that, but I still, we're gonna bring these statues, we're gonna bring these idols, we're gonna keep wearing this jewelry that we wear to emulate our pagan gods. Nope, doesn't work that way. He's gotta bury them in Shechem. He buries all those gods so that he can go ahead to Bethel. Coming home means surrendering to God. And, you know, in so many ways, we think we can fool God. Go, okay, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come home, but I kinda have the way that I'm going to do it. Okay, God, it sounds good. I wanna sit in your presence. I wanna experience your goodness. So I'm coming home, but I'm still gonna do whatever I wanna do. God, I'm coming home, but I'm still gonna sleep around, because that's what I've decided that I wanna do. God, I'm coming home, but I'm still gonna keep this secret life over here. Don't worry, I can manage it. God, I, I, I'm coming home, but Whatever idols I worship, I'm bringing them with me. It's like we don't get to do that. It's not that we have to hide anything from God. It's not that we can't bring our whole selves to God. Quite the opposite. We should bring our full selves, brokenness and all. The invitation is prodigal son, prodigal daughter, whatever you did out there, it's okay. You're welcome, but you don't get to keep on doing those things. So there's just something about the story that I see. It's like, if you want to come home, the invitation is there. His arms are open wide. But it's full surrender. It's burying the idols. It's leaving them at Shechem. If you've been far from God and you want to come home, I encourage you. I challenge you. Ask him, are there things that I need to leave behind, God? See, because here's what we do. I do this all the time. God, would you give me um, peace? God, would you, would you take away my anxiety? But I'm not willing to give up this secret sin over here. That's, that's actually what's making me anxious. But God, could you just take care of my anxiety? Would you just give me peace? No, it doesn't work like that. The psalmist writes it this way. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path everlasting. See, God stands with open arms. You don't have to hide from him. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to clean yourself up, but he wants you to open yourself up. God, what distractions do I need to bury? God, would you examine me and show, show me? And, and, and God, would you grow me? I wonder if you're far from God. I wonder if you feel far from him, and for you, it's time to come home. See, I, I even think some of us have used the last couple years, just the chaos, pandemic, the unknown. I, I think for some of us, we've used the last couple years, I'm not going to say as an excuse, but it's, it's become this distraction that's caused us to put our relationship with God on hold. Yeah, I'll get to that. I'm so focused on masks and vaccines and mandates and the future and whatever it is and just the chaos, God. I'm so caught up in the politicalization of it. I'm caught up in the fear. I'm caught up in all of it, God. And, and, and we've put our relationship with God on hold. Yeah, I was going to take seriously my relationship with you, God, but I got distracted. Yeah, I was, I was going to read my Bible, God, but I got distracted. God, I was going to come back to church, but I got distracted. 
For some of us, we're far away from God. We feel far away from God because we've made that relationship not a priority for us. I wonder if it's time for you to come home. Time to come back to a relationship with God. By the way, none of it means that you're not going to wander off again. You will. Turn the page. Jacob screws up again. The Apostle Paul, a super holy guy, same thing, right? He, he actually says, I hate that I wander away from God. Why do I keep doing it? Yet here I find myself again and again and again. It will happen. We'll wander off again. We'll get lost. If you feel far from God, I wonder if you're at least willing to say, search me, God, know me, point out anything in me that offends you. Show me the idols, God, that I have to bury because I want to come home. For some of you, it's possible you hear this today and you go, you know, I feel really close to God. I feel like we're walking together. Everything is, is good right now. We're connected. That's awesome. Like, great. My encouragement to you, file this away, because at some point you will probably feel not as close to God and store this up. Be reminded that you can come home, that the invitation is there. But maybe today some of you feel far from God. Maybe you felt far from God for a while. And you know what that looks like for all of us can be a little bit different. It kind of can be personal for some. That looks like anxiety. For some, it looks like sin, compulsion, fear, addiction, all kinds of different things that it might look and feel like for you to be far from God. For me, when I feel distant from God, I go numb. I just don't feel anything. Only those closest to me know that it's happening. But I know that trajectory. When I stop feeling things, I know that I have wandered away from God. I have not made my relationship with him a priority. What it looks like in your life might be different, but you've heard the invitation, come home. It's time. For you, that could mean you've never had a relationship with Jesus. And so for you, it means believing, believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead and that God doesn't shame you in your sin because of Christ. God has forgiven your sin and welcomes you and wants a relationship with you. For many of us, we have a relationship with Jesus. And there have been times that you've felt really close to God. Maybe right now is not one of them. You feel far from him. You wonder where he's gone. You wonder when he's going to act. When's he going to speak? The Bible says that he's not far away, that he hasn't gone anywhere, and that if we will seek him, we will find him. So my challenge to you, my invitation to you today is really simple. It's the same as the invitation God offers to Jacob. Come home. Family, it's time. Some of you have been lost for too long. You've wandered away. It's time to come home today. It's time to rest. It's time to worship. It's time to run into the arms of your perfect heavenly father who's waiting not to judge you, not to embarrass you or shame you just 
to say you're welcome here. Come home. Let's pray. God, thanks for your word. Thanks that you haven't left us here alone, wondering if you love us, wondering if our sin is too great to be forgiven, wondering if what waits us is only shame. No, your word tells us that None of us is beyond the pale. None of us is beyond forgiveness. None of us is too far gone. God, we are prone to wander, to go astray. We are like Jacob. We are running from people and the things that we've done, and sometimes we're running from you. We're like the prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. We make a mess of things, and you're like this dad who runs to meet us and throws your arms around us and kisses us and welcomes us home says it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done, you're home now. God, there are some of us today on campus, online, we need to come home. God, would you search us? Search us and know our hearts, not to embarrass us or shame us but to point out anything in us that offends you, that we might follow you as you lead us in a path of everlasting joy and peace and life. God, would you help us in ways that we've been distracted, in ways that we've been worshiping our own little idols. Help us to bury them today to leave them behind and to come home into the joy and presence that you offer us. You're a good God. Thanks that despite all of our sin and, and failure, just like Jacob, you keep your word, that you're for us, that you work all things out for good. God, thanks for sending Jesus that this is all real and we have real hope. Thank you that he willingly lost his life so that we could have life. It's in his name we pray, amen.